0: Well, indeed, it has been quite a week. Something that uh, we Catholics have prayed for, for 49 years, finally became a reality. And now in the midst of our joy, we Catholics are being made out to be the bad guys three generations of Woodstock generational people. Think about it for a minute. You have the attendees who were 17, 18, 19, back in 1969. And then they had children. And now there's grandchildren, and some may even be great-grandchildren. What most of these folks that I'm calling the Woodstock generation have never heard is the word no. They've just never quite heard the word no. And now they've been told no. And they respect no authority. So now they are throwing a collective fit, a temper tantrum. My friends, the first thing I want to say to you is We are not the bad guys in this story. We are the faithful who have prayed, stood on street corners, across from right-to-life clinics, across the street from Planned Parenthood, and prayed the rosary, The better part of 50 years. We prayed for the cessation of the war on the unborn. The war is not yet won. We need to hear that. It is not yet won. But the declaration of war is no longer the law of the land. That's what changed. The war is not over. But the collective country no longer has a declaration of war on babies, yet unborn. And it's not the law in Texas. For people my age, it has been part of the social landscape, and our prayer life for 49 of my 69 years, all of my adult life. So one more time, I want you to hear it. We Catholics are not the bad guys of this story. As I said on Right to Life Sunday, we have simply followed Jesus and followed the science. We have followed Jesus, and we've followed the science. The gospel for today says a lot about following Jesus. Fourteen different insights, but I'm only going to talk about two. But it did scare you for a moment, now didn't I? You thought this homily was going to have 14 points and a poem. No, just two and no poem. The first insight, this first lesson is based on the fact that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you must be detached from everything but one thing, and that one thing is a person, Jesus himself. He must become the center of life, You cannot be attached to anything else that would stop you, that would interfere from you following and being one with Jesus and one with God. Everything is separate. And this is what it means when Jesus says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air, well, they have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He didn't mean that you should have no homes, no homes to live in, no homes to enjoy. He says you can only make one home your true home, and that true home is in the heart of the Father. And so that is the first reason why we say that we are a pilgrim people in this world and that our home is with God himself. So I want to tell you a story. There was a very very rich American businessman. He had made all the money he needed and now he could spend his life trying to find the answer to the meaning of life. And so he went to India and he climbed a high mountain he went to seek a guru. And it took him a long time to find that guru. And when he got to the house he was told that the guru lived in, he stepped into the... There was no door. It was just a door frame. He stuck his head in. And he found that the guru was sitting in that first room in, I guess it was his house. And the only thing he had in his house was a little table and one chair. Now when I talk about a little table, y'all remember when they used to have paper matchbooks? When you went to a restaurant, you'd always pick up three or four of them. Three of them would go in uh, your spouse's purse and one of them was available in case you got that table that kind of went like this. You could always kind of lean on it and then stick it under the leg that was in the air. Guess you have to be as old as I am, huh? Anyway, it was kind of one of those tables, kind of kind wiggle-woggle, one chair. And it was off in the corner, and that was it. There was nothing else in the room. And there the guru sat. And the American businessman said to the guru, Hey! Where's all your stuff? You know, your TV, your, your laptop, your watch, your radio. Your Keurig. Your bullet to make a green drink in the morning. And the guru said, what do you mean stuff? And the man said, I mean You live here? All you've got is a a table and a little chair. Where is all your stuff? So the guru says to the man, where's your stuff? The man said, well, I'm just passing through. And the guru said, well, I'm just passing through also. meaning there's nothing in this life that will hold us here forever. We are just pilgrims passing through. And because of this, a disciple must always be aware that if you embrace this truth, then every home becomes your home, every land becomes your land, because your home is in the heart of God, and as we were taught At the youngest time in Sunday school or CEC or whatever, God is everywhere. So if you live in the heart of God, you've already been there. Now, the second lesson sounds a little cruel. Well, I guess it is actually a little bit cruel coming from Jesus. A man comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I really, really, really want to follow you, but can I go home first and bury my father? And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. I know it sounds terribly cruel, but Jesus is saying something that is very, very important. If you give yourself to become a disciple of Jesus, that means if you give yourself into his hands... He becomes your Lord, and he comes first. And when Jesus talks about the dead bearing the dead, well, I've got to tell you another story. This story has to do with Socrates. You know, the great philosopher Socrates in ancient Greece. I didn't know this until I did a little research. He was Father Mario's roommate, In 477 B.C., when Mario was going through the first year at the seminary, it was called the philosophy school. So he had, Socrates and Mario go a long way back. Socrates was walking with a friend, and the two of them were discussing a third friend, a mutual acquaintance. And this third friend apparently was a businessman, a trader in silks and gold and and fine linens and all the things that were around the Mediterranean world. He was a great traveler. He used to go all over the Greco-Roman world. Socrates' friend said to him, you know, whenever he comes back, all he does is complain and whine and complain." Wine. You would think that if he'd seen France and Spain and going the other direction, he'd been all the way to the silk markets in India, that he'd come back home full of joy and happiness. And Socrates said, our friend makes one terrible mistake. And this friend he was talking to said to him, What is that? Socrates said, when he goes on these trips, he takes himself with him. And that's why he is so miserable when he talks about these places. Well, it's kind of subtle, but it's not really subtle. The world is as your heart sees it, not as it is out there, simply out there. The world is as you see it. You can't describe the world out there, but as your heart sees it. So is the world. That's what makes the world have meaning. If you can believe, you can put faith in life. You will find faith in life. If you believe that you can rest your hopes on something or someone, you will find that that is true. And if you believe that life, with all its pains, frustrations, sorrows, misgivings, past sins, keep the list going, if you think a life full of all those things is worth living, then you'll live a life that is worth living. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, imitate me. He's saying, come with me. And I will show you that your life is worth living. That your life can be full of hope. That your life can be full of love. But Jesus says you must see the world through His eyes. My eyes. That's what Jesus is saying. You have to see the world through my eyes. And you have to love the world with my heart. And then all things will become clear. And so this is the big first lesson. That Jesus is teaching His disciples on their way to Jerusalem. And we're going to hear more about that Sunday by Sunday as we walk through the course of the summer and into the fall all the way to the Feast of Christ the King. We're going to hear about all of these lessons, but this is his first teaching. Jesus has a long list of things that he will do and things that he will say. But as the weeks pass by, remember this. Jesus is not talking to his disciples of many years past. He's talking to you. You. You are his disciples. The risen Lord is talking to us. For we are the disciples. And so I want to read just a little bitty definition of what a disciple is it's very brief we're coming to the end you can make it hang on I'm getting there (laughs) discipleship in our present situation where Jesus is with us but he is with us in and through Holy Spirit we are called to be Jesus' hands we are called to be Jesus' feet. We are called to be Jesus' eyes. and We are called to be Jesus' mouth. And we will be judged by the way that we treat one another. Amen.